Man, I love that song. You know what? I, I actually, that's the first time I've heard that. I, uh, they've, they put that together for a ladies event they were doing. And um, that's why it's all la- the ladies up here. And us men, they told us to take a hike. And um, I heard them practicing it. But that's the first time I've just sat there and listened all the way through it. Man, I hope Jesus is yours. Because let me tell you, it's not when all else fails. I mean, it's not if all else fails. It's when it fails. Folks, everything's going to fail. Hey, we're, we're, we are going, everything in this life is going to fail eventually. And, um, and folks, we better have Jesus as ours. Man, that was awesome. Thank you, ladies. Um, we're going to let the kiddos head on out. Kids up through the fifth grade, you can head on out to have a great time together. Thank you once again, moms and dads, for letting us work with the kids. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of James, chapter number Four. James chapter 4 is where we're going to be. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Um, I, I, um, th- this, I'm going to get pretty um, personal tonight. Uh, this this uh, came out of a study that I did. Uh, my wife and I did a, a Bible study together through the book of James. And I'm going to have to go back. My son is 14. Um, at the time we were going through this, he was two. And um, so this, this takes us back about 12 years ago. And there was, uh, there was a question that, that, that came out of this um, this study that we did together, my wife and I, that I, 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 this was a life-changing passage for me. I would say it was a relationship-changing passage for me. Um, I, I would say it was a marriage-changing passage of Scripture for me. There's a question that comes out of this passage that I, I would venture to say in the past 12 years I bet there's not been um, uh, probably a single week of my life that has gone by that God hasn't nailed me square between the eyeballs with this, with this question. Sometimes it's multiple times a week. Sometimes it's multiple times a day. Just depends on what's going on. Let's start in verse number one. We're going to read down through verse number six. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, folks, folks, listen, I'll really explain this. Verse number four, this isn't a new paragraph. Same paragraph, same topic. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Now, folks, I'm going to try my best to explain these first five verses. And I just want you to know this. If if we can understand what James is saying in the first five verses, I just want you to know that verse number six is an absolute breath of fresh air. Verse 6 says, but, in contrast, but, he gives more grace. Therefore, it it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Folks, would you right now ask God to just use his word to speak to you? Ask God to use his word. To, uh, to help you. And, and we're going to bring it down at the end here to really 
Are we going to be proud? Are we going to be humble? Let's pray that God helps us to be humble. Father tells us you resist the proud. Lord, I don't want, I don't want your resistance. But that you give your grace to the humble. And Lord, this is an area in which, Lord, you know my heart. You know that 12 years ago I didn't even realize how much I needed to be humbled in this area that we're talking about right here. And Lord, I pray that you will um, open up the eyes of our understanding. Help us to be raw and real. Um, Lord, use this text of scripture in our hearts, we pray. In Christ's name. Amen. So what I want to do tonight is I actually, if you were here on Sunday morning, maybe some of you were not here, but I really, I preached a message that was really talking, um, really came around, big part of it was talking about the, the, the worldly passions that we tend to live for. And there's a sense in which we're going to revisit that just a little bit because I think what James does here is he actually gives us a means whereby we can dig deep and, 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 and maybe see what the worldly passions we live for are in ways that maybe we didn't realize. And he gives us, um, he gives us a means by which they, they tend to show up. And I think this is going to be a very helpful passage. You know, um, uh, James, what he does right here is he really asks the question, where does conflict come from? Where does conflict come from? I, um, uh, I, I've, I've done a, a, a fair amount of counseling, um, not near as much as what a biblical counselor would do or not as much as what a pastor probably would do, but I still have done my fair share of counseling uh, with people, especially in the midst of interpersonal conflict as you're trying to help people resolve struggles between them. And it's pretty amazing. This is a, and as, and as I've talked to people, this is, is very much a truth that it's pretty amazing when you start doing interpersonal um, counseling and trying to help people uh, come to some, um, some resolution, conflict resolution in their relationships, it's amazing how many times you can come to a person, you can come to party A and you can say to them, hey, so from your perspective, party A, uh, would you please help me understand from your perspective, what exactly seems to be the source of the conflict? And party A, folks, I mean, the percentage is just unreal. Party A will say, well, I'll tell you what the problem is. He's the problem. And then party A can go ahead and overwhelmingly let you in on exactly how much of a problem this person is. When they get done, um, as you counsel, you can say to party B, okay, uh, party B, would you please help me from your perspective, would you please help me understand exactly what do you um, seem to believe that the source of the conflict is? Well, I'll tell you what the source of the problem is. They're the source of the problem. Folks, it is amazing the percentage of people when you are trying to help them and you're doing counseling, it's amazing the percentage of people who the problem always seems to be outside of them. It's somebody else, it's something else. Now folks, listen, that's not new. That's been going on since the Garden of Eden, right? But you know what James does here? James actually takes away all your fingers that so-so wants to point outside of you as to somebody else being the source of the problem. And James takes all of your fingers and points them right in here and says, no, 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 listen, if you're ever going to get resolution here, you have to look at what's going on in your own heart. What is the source of conflict? That's really what James is answering here. Where does conflict come from? Now, um, I, I, I just ask this question. I, I wonder, I wonder um, how many of you have to, on a 
day-to-day basis. I wonder how many of you have to deal with somebody on a pretty regular basis who just absolutely drives you bonkers. Now, don't raise your hand. They might be sitting right beside you, right? Um, Folks, did you know, and this may blow your mind, did you know that every single relationship that you have, actually, listen carefully, every single relationship you have, without exception, is with a sinner. You know what sinners do on an overwhelmingly regular basis? It's not a matter of are the people in your life going to sin against you. It's not a matter of whether or not your spouse is going to sin against you. It's not a matter of whether or not your kids are going to sin against you. It's not a matter of whether or not your parents are going to sin against you. It's how are you going to handle it when they do. Um, when we talk about conflict, I mean, for some people, conflict is an absolute explosion. I mean, I, I, you meet a lot of people like that. They, um, they, they, they just explode. They're like that, uh, you know, that, that geyser out in, you know, Yellowstone National Park. Old Faithful, remember, every 53 minutes, here she blows. You ever met somebody like that? Um, then, then other people, it's just a slow simmer. You know, they just look at you and smile. I'm not really an exploder. I don't really explode, okay? Um, I mean, not normally. I guess I can, but that's not my normal. Um, I, I just look at you. I'm, I'm, I just look at you, and I'm just smiling. <laughs> I'm ticked off, but you'd never know it. I'm just smiling. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how I'm going to kill you tomorrow. <laughs> um, still irritation, frustration, anger. Um... What, what James is getting at is, what is the source of this? Where does this come from? Whether it's the out-and-out out just war in your family, a fighting and scratching, the, 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 the heated words, the, um, the cut-downs, the, all the way to just maybe the people around you don't even realize how irritated you are, but you know you are. And the the tension that's in your own heart, the conflict that's in your own heart, even if other people around you don't even realize it. Where does it come from? Now, the question is twofold. First of all, where does it come from? Second of all, what does it prove? That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look at where does it come from, and then what does it prove about our hearts? Let's look at James. Um, I, I, I sometimes throw out a, a Greek word here or there. Uh, I try not to too much because it doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't know Greek. But I'm going, I'm going to tonight, and the reason why is because these are some Greek words that you know. Uh, well, at least you'll know some English words that we, or some words that we use. Listen to what it says, okay? So he asked the question, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? Isn't this where it comes from? That your passions are at war within you. That word passions, the word passions is actually, um, it's the Greek word hedon. It's where we get our word uh, uh, hedonism or a hedonist. A hedonist is a person who lives for their passions. They live for their pleasures, okay? They're, they're uh, John Piper, he's, he's like, he, he has taken this word actually, which has a horrible connotation. It always has, and he's tried to kind of sanctify it, talking about Christian hedonism and how that if your passion is for Christ, then therefore you can have a good type of hedonism. I really, the, the word just has such a bad connotation. It always has. I kind of struggle with him doing that. But the word hedonist, a hedonist is a person who lives for pleasure. It's a person who, from this world's perspective, this is a person who never says no to themselves. They live a life of saying yes to themselves. What can I get? What can I have? What do I want? I'm going to go for it. That's the word that he uses here. He says, that's the first word. He says, where does conflict come from in our relationships? Isn't it this, that our passions, that's a good translation of this word. Our passions are at war within us. Here's the next word. Look at verse number two. 
The next word, uh, we actually looked at this, Titus chapter, uh, chapter 2 yesterday. Uh, in verse number 2, it says, you desire and do not have. You see the word desire? That's the Greek word epithemia. Now, you wouldn't know that one, but we talked about it yesterday. It's a word that just talks about strong desires. Once again, if you remember what I said on, uh, on, on, on Sunday morning, this, this particular word is attributed to Jesus at one point where it says that he desired to spend the Last Supper with his disciples. Same word, okay? So in and of itself, this word is not bad. But it is talking about having strong desires, okay? And it's translated here, verse 2, that you have, that you desire. Okay, listen as it continues on in verse number 2, because there's another word that I think is very interesting we should look at. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet. Now, I want, let me back up. The word murder there, it's not talking about you actually physically murder. I mean, it could, obviously, you could be so angry that you do that. But it's just talking about a heart of hatred. If, if looks could kill, some of us would be murderers, right? But then he goes on and he says, you covet. You see that word covet and cannot obtain? You covet. The, 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 the word covet, it's the Greek word zealous. It's where we get the word to have zeal or to be zealous about something. Obviously, this word, just in Titus chapter 2 on Sunday morning, this word, uh, Christ um, uh, purchased people with his own blood and made them a special people unto himself who are zealous unto good works. Same word. But here's, the, here's what's unique about the word zealous. Okay, uh, this, this, uh, this word zealous is once again, it can have a good connotation. Here, there's no doubt about it. It has a bad connotation. The word zealous always means that you're so passionate about something that it actually has the, the idea of getting heated up about it. Now, if you're passionate about God's glory so much that you're getting heated up about it, that's a good thing. But folks, here it's talking about you want something. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wanted something and you wanted it so bad you got a little heated up about it? Now, I want us to see what he says here. Let's go back over these words. He says, where do quarrels and where do fights come from among you? Isn't it this? That your hedon, your passions are at war inside of you. Your, you desire, verse number two. A little bit later, you covet. You want something. You get heated up, you want it so bad. I want you to see that what the struggle is. Are you ready? In verse number two, you see it twice. You desire, okay, but what happens? And do not have. Uh-oh, you didn't get what you wanted. So you murder. You covet. That's the word zealous. But look, uh-oh, and cannot obtain. You didn't get it. Folks, here's where conflict comes from. Conflict comes from our desires. We want something, but we don't get what we wanted. So here my wife and I sit 12 years ago. We're sitting side by side. And, um, and I looked at her and I said, baby, according to James chapter 4, you want to know why when we have conflict, you want to know why there's conflict between us? It's because we want something. We're not getting what we want. According to James chapter 4, I can blame it on you. You can blame it on me. But according to James chapter 4, the answer to us getting victory when it comes to conflict is you worry about you, and I'm supposed to worry about me. What do I want, and how do I sin trying to get it? Folks, I'm telling you, that question right there, what do I want? I, I'm just telling you, I, I, bet, I bet there has not been a week in the past 12 years that in some little way, it is a reset question for me. God uses it to nail my hide to the wall all the time, constantly, when I feel frustration coming on. It's all the time. Aaron Coffey, what do you want? Now, is it ever possible that what I want is actually something that brings glory to God? Well, yeah. But folks, I'm just telling you, when I am irritated, when I am irritated, 
This is the immediate question that pounces on me. When I'm heated up, whether people around me know it or not. So I'm sitting there with my wife, and I said, baby, let's flesh this out. Um, do you have any illustrations of times when you've gotten irritated or, or but whether it's between us or somewhere else, and, 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 and what, what do we want? I, and I just immediately said, I, said, I, I got one. Um, we were working at Northland Camp, okay? I worked at Northland Camp for a long, long time. 13 summers I spent working up in, at Northland Camp. We would travel during the year, and then um, in the summertime, uh, we would go up and work at the camp there. And uh, we were actually in our summer study, we were going through the book of James, and that's what we were landing on, and my wife and I, we were just doing one section of it, but we were studying through the whole, the whole book. And um, that's really what, what brought us to, to this passage. And uh, Northland Camp, man, it, it, it had five different lakes. There was four actually on the campsite, another one just off the campsite that I, that I had permission to fish as well. I mean, these, these lakes were full of Largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, um, uh, northern pike. I mean, they were just, I mean, full. I love to fish. Folks, I am an outdoorsman. I love to hunt. I love to fish. I mean, I love it. I mean, I grew up fishing. But I don't know if you know camp life. And Josh, you know camp life. I mean, man, camp life is just so busy. Man, I, we actually parked our trailer right beside one of the best lakes on the whole property. I mean, I could look out my, my, my trailer window, and, and right out there was the lake. Um, we didn't have time to fish. Man, I bet on a normal day, I bet I rode, I had this little motorcycle I'd ride around on, and I bet I rode past that lake 10, 15 times a day. You know, I mean, we were just, man, from sunup to sundown, you just work, 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 work. You never had time to fish. You know what, though? On Saturdays. Saturday morning, the campers would pack up and leave. We'd all wave by them. We'd all, man, the whole camp staff would go into cleanup mode. We'd clean up the entire, the entire camp, get it all ready to go for the next week. By noon on Saturday, we were free. Folks, we didn't have any responsibilities until 10 o'clock on Monday morning. We were just as free as could be from noon on Saturday on. Folks, guess what I loved to do? on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I love to go fishing. I love to fish. Guess what my wife loved to do on Saturday afternoon? Something other than fishing. She'd been with little people all week long. You know what she wanted to do? She wanted to have adult conversations. Um, you know what I would do? I'd found that if I, 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 I'd found that the main thing I needed to do was make sure that I made plans before she had a plan, chance to make plans. If I'd, if I'd cut in on Thursday, if need be, I'd even back up to Wednesday. I'd go ahead and let her know. I, I'd, I'd connect with somebody like me and so-and-so, we're fishing now. We're going to go hit it right just as soon as the meeting's over after lunch. Uh, we're going to go. And I just knew that if, because then, then she'd feel horrible. I mean, I'd, she'd, she'd feel horrible to make plans that messed up my plans. You know what I'd do? I would guilt my wife in order to get what I wanted. Have you ever guilted somebody you say you love more than anybody else on the face of the planet in order to get what you want? You see, I would want something, and, and it would be a source of conflict because she would have things that she would love. Um, there would be conflict, and we're not yellers. That's just not really how... That's just not really how we roll, just in these yelling. I mean, but just, I would guilt her to get what I wanted. I would sin against the person I love the most to get it. And there would be conflict because of it. Um, Steph said, hey, I got one. She said, I don't, I, she said, I don't even really know how to think through this. I remember just, she was processing on the fly. And she just went so much deeper. She went like several stories deeper than I did. She said, just yesterday, I got so mad at Asher. Asher was two. That's how I remember how long ago this was. Asher was two. She said, uh, he had this little toy sword. And, uh, it was like this little foamy sword, but at the, the end of it had gotten pulled off, and there was just this plastic piece that stuck out. But anyway, he would still use it. And he would go around, and he was poking the couch, and he's hitting pillows. Everything's fine, man. He's playing. No problem. She said, all of a sudden, he poked his little toy sword in the wrong place. She said he stuck it right through the vent on my dishwasher. She said, I just snapped. She said, I grabbed it from him. I slammed it down. I took his little hand. I popped his hand. She said he just obviously just fell apart. He, I'd never told him he couldn't do that. 
He, he, he had no idea. It just made no sense to him what the difference between a pillow and the couch and then whatever this was. And not that you don't teach your children what not to stick their toys in, but he, she just never told him. And so she said, I'm just so angry. And he just falls apart. He's just crying. And she said, I just immediately, I picked him up. I held him on my, on my lap and I'm just holding him tight and I'm asking him to forgive me for getting so angry. She said, I look back and she said to me, I told him I was sorry for being angry. She said, but what did I want? What did I want? She said, you know what, Aaron? She said, it's not like I have, listen how deep she goes, because she nailed it, folks. She said, it's not like I have this love affair with this piece of metal and plastic. She said, Aaron, she said, I have an idol of convenience. And he threatened it. She said, that dishwasher saves me hours. And she said, I, 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 I had something I want, and I want it so badly. I'm willing to sin against Asher in order to get it. It's convenience. And folks, I just want you to know something. We'll get to this in a minute. She nailed it when she called it an idol. Um. You know, I had another one that I just popped out real fast. I, we, um, whenever we're at my parents' house, we uh, will always take a meal. We had just been there. We'd been there in May. And um, whenever we're at my parents' house, my mom, she's always cooking. My sister and her family's coming over, cousins, um, people, a lot of people in the house. And my mom's always cook, cook, cooking all the time. And we'll, we'll tell her many times, hey, we'll take a meal. I, don't, I can't remember what the night was, but Steph said, Hey, Mom, why don't me and Aaron, we'll, we'll take, I don't know, Thursday night or whatever. She comes to me. She said, hey, I told Mom that we would cook on Thursday night. I said, hey, awesome. Man, I've got, I've got some meat in the freezer. I'll pull it out. I'll cook on the grill. Oh, man, I was like, this is going to be special to my family. I wanted it to be special. You know, they do so much for us, and we only get to see them, you know, sometimes just two or three times a year, four times maybe. And so, I mean, is it, man, I'm going to pull out some meat. Now, folks, I love cooking on the grill. Don't you mess with me when I'm cooking on the grill, all right? I'm in my element, you know. I love it. Man, I, I go and I have my special uh, ingredients that I need for my homemade marinade. As a matter of fact, uh, like the day before, I guess probably, um, my, my wife was at the, at the store, and I'd send her a text, hey, baby, can you get these, um, these, ingredients, these ingredients for me so I can make my marinade? Well, then she gets back, and um, I'm like, hey, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna go ahead and get the meat, the meat rolling. You got, uh, were you able to get that stuff? And she goes, Oh, you know what? She said, I have horrible reception inside the store. I didn't get it. I see right now. I just totally missed it. I'm sorry, I didn't get them. I'm like, what? You know, I mean, it's like it's my special marinade. You know, it's all right. I can work with it. I can use some other stuff. Man, I make another kind. I mean, it's good. I got it soaking. It's all gonna be fine. I want it to be perfect. This is gonna be a blessing to my family. You know, so I get, I get the, I get it all ready. The next day, man, I pull out my dad's grill. Now, folks, this was my dad's grill was struggling. Man, my grill, it gets hot, and it gets hot fast. You know, it's a, you, you want it to get hot. I mean, I'm picky. I got it just got to be just right. You know, I like the outside to be nice and done, but then when you cut into it, you know, if it's really done right, the inside still kind of goes, moo. You know, it's, it's, I'm picky. You know, I want it just right. I want to be a blessing. So, but I need the grill to get hot. Man, this thing is just struggling. It's just old, you know. Finally. It's going to work. I mean, I'm a little irritated, but it's, it's going to work. It's getting hot enough eventually. Man, I got the meat on. Man, Steph's inside. She's, she's fixing potatoes, and, and they're fixing a salad, her mom, and they're getting everything ready on the inside. Folks, I mean, I'm kind of struggling. I just want it to be special. You know, I want to serve my family. And so, anyway, I get it all ready. I mean, it's good. It's going to be good. Man, I got it all wrapped up in some aluminum foil. I go bringing it in. Hey, folks, come to the table. The meat's ready. You know what I heard from the kitchen? Hey, just put it on the table. The potatoes aren't quite ready yet. We'll be in in a few minutes. Now, folks, hold on just a second. Did you hear what I said? I said the meat's ready. Potato, schmotato. We don't care about potatoes right now, right? The meat's ready. Um... I mean, you don't go to a potato house and have a little steak on the side. No, no, no. You go to a steakhouse and the potatoes, the side. I don't don't say anything. I'm not going to say anything. They're in there serving, you know. I'm just pacing. I'm smiling, you know, and I'm pacing. I'm gritting my teeth behind my smile. I'm not going to say anything, but they're in there just talk, 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 talk. 
finally, man, it's been like 10 minutes. They finally, nobody's in a hurry. They start meandering their way in around the table. Dad prays for every missionary we've ever known in our life. (laughs) Finally, I open it up. I cut it. It's fine. It is not as hot as it was a few minutes ago. Folks, I didn't say a word. Not a single person at the table even knew how irritated I was. I don't want anybody to know. I don't want them to feel bad. Um, I wanted this to be special for my family. That was a true statement along the way. But folks, I just want you to know something. The fact that I was so irritated about it in my own heart, I promise you, proves that there was something else going on than just my family. I want you to know this had Aaron Coffey written all over it. Can, can I tell you, I know I was kind of teasing about, about cutting into it and it's supposed to say moo. This one wasn't going to go moo. You know why? Because it wasn't beef. It was actually venison. I'd killed it. My parents are just kind of so-so on venison. It's because they don't know how to cook it. I'm proving to them that it's good meat. I have a worthy pastime. Folks, I'm telling you, sure, I wanted to be a blessing somewhere in there. But I promise you, my irritation was proving that this, this had Aaron Coffee written all over it. Now, folks, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of being a little raw here, okay? Um, I want you to see where James goes. We're going to skip to verse number four. And once again, I said this earlier, this is not a new paragraph. This isn't a new topic. He was talking about conflict. Now he's going to start talking about marital infidelity. No, 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 no. Same topic, same paragraph. James says in verse number four, folks, he just flat gets dirty. And he says, you adulterous people. Do you not know? Can I help you with these words? This, how about this? Okay. Instead of friendship, can I, can I use the word relationship? It's, it's the same idea. Listen to what he says. You adulterous people, do you not know that this relationship that you're having with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be in a relationship with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, folks, let me tell you what he does right here. He actually, he, 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 he actually comes behind and he uses a picture that is not new to this text. It is actually a picture that he has used throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. The picture of spiritual adultery. Matter of fact, he gave an entire he gave he gave an entire book, Old Testament minor prophet book of the Bible to this very picture. It was the book of Hosea. Do you know the story of the book of Hosea? Basically, this is what it was. Hosea was a he was a preacher, he was a prophet, he was a, someone who God used to speak to his people. And he was a public person. People would have known him. People would have known his life. They would have known his story. You know what God says to Hosea? He says, Hosea, I want you to marry this woman. This woman is going to be unfaithful. This woman is going to run around with other men. This woman is going to have babies with other men. And I'm going to use your marriage to this unfaithful woman to show my people their unfaithfulness to me. To show the people of Israel, it's actually the people of Judah, to show them that their hearts are full of spiritual adultery. 
And listen to what he says. He, he, he says, he says your, what he's saying is your, your irritation and your frustration and the conflict that rises up, that you get heated up because you want something. You don't get what you want. And what you are proving is actually you just have a heart that so, so wants what you want that actually you are showing that your heart is full of spiritual adultery. Because listen where he goes. He actually, in verse number five, he turns this around and he starts talking about how that we have a God who is jealous for our affections. Look at what it says in verse number, verse number five. Verse number five says, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? It brings up the jealousy of God. I have a question for you. Is, does it bother you that God says that he is a jealous God? Does he have a right to be jealous over your affections. God even goes so far as to call himself. He says, my name is jealous. Folks, does God have a right to be jealous for your affections? You better believe he does. Does my wife have a right to be jealous over my affections? You better believe she does. You know why? Because I stood at an altar with her. I stood at an altar with her in front of a bunch of witnesses. You know why you have witnesses at your, you know why you invite people to your wedding? It's not so you can show off your wedding dress. You invite people to your wedding because they are witnesses of you taking your vows to one another. And you stand in front of those people and in front of God and you promised, I promised my wife that I was going to have, I was going to be a one-woman man. She was for me and no one else. I made a covenant with her. Does she have a right then to be jealous for my heart and my affections? You better believe she has a right to be jealous for me. And let me tell you something. God, as my creator, number one, and then also God as not only my creator, but the one who sacrificed his own son in order to purchase me with his blood, he has a right to my affections. Now, let me tell you how we're supposed to take this. The way we're supposed to take this is God is, God is saying this. Why is it that we have so much conflict in our in our uh, relationships? Why is it then maybe in, in, in our marriages or maybe in our, in our sibling relationships or maybe between parents and kids, why is it that sometimes our houses are, are, are and there's so much conflict and there's so much biting words and there's so much guilt tripping and there's so much stuff? He says, isn't it this? That you have something you want and you're willing to sin against the people you say you love most in order to get it? I mean, how many times have we sinned against our kids because, because we're afraid of what other people think? And they made us look bad. How many times do we sin against our spouse because she made a mistake and it cost us some extra money? Or how many times do we, do we sin against one of the kids because they messed up some of our oh-so-valuable possessions. You see, folks, you know what he's saying? He's saying your hearts are so full of idolatry. He turns right around and says, don't you know that I'm jealous for your affections? You know what he's saying? He's saying, why, why don't you get that heated up about me and my glory? Folks, what if we got as heated up about God and his glory as we do our pastimes, as we do our possessions, as we do our prized reputations, 
Folks, we are idolatrous people. And listen how, listen how far he says we take it. He says we even drag it into our prayer life. I mean, I skipped over verse number three, but look at verse three. Listen how nasty it gets. And folks, I'm talking nasty. He says, verse number three, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly so that you can spend it on your passions. Oh, folks, he says, we even drag our idolatry into our prayer life. We pray for things not so that we can serve God in his kingdom. We pray, th- we pray for things that are only just going to, it's really, I mean, here's the picture that he gives. I mean, folks, he doesn't mess around, James doesn't. Here's the picture that he gives. It's actually like a wife saying to her husband, hey, can I have some money so I can go spend it on my lovers? Why do you want more? Why do you want a promotion? Why do you want more money? I mean, there's nothing wrong with a promotion and more money. Bring it on. But why? So that I can have more money so that I can spend it on, on my kingdom? Or so I can have more money to spend it on God's kingdom? Folks, I don't know if you're feeling it, but I just want you to know something. James is not messing around. He actually is saying, you know the conflicts that we have that rise up in our relationships and in our hearts? Man, they are a window into your soul proving to us actually what we love too much. Because, folks, let me tell you something. You get irritated about what you value. Now, um, I hope I've done a decent job explaining to you the poignancy of what he is saying in these first five verses. But I want you to hear the heart of God because the heart of God, like it always does, it rings through so loud. Folks, I said this at the very beginning, that if I could explain these first five verses to you and just how deep, I think the first five verses, if you can understand what James is saying, is simply showing us how deep the rabbit hole goes. That is our sinful hearts. But I don't know about you, but I'm just so thankful that where my sin abounds, his grace abounds more. Aren't you thankful? Look at verse number six. But he gives more grace. It doesn't say that he gives equal grace. Here it doesn't even say that he gives sufficient grace. Now we have that, that given to us by Paul elsewhere, that his grace is sufficient. But right here in the midst of our sin, folks, where our sin abounds, his grace abounds more. He gives more grace. Continuing on verse number six, therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Folks, this is what I want you to know. I want you to know that in the midst of our, I I just, the longer I've been saved, let me say this, The longer I've been saved, I got saved when I was 21 years old. It was January of 1996. The longer I've been saved, can I just tell you what spiritual growth has looked like for me? I mean, I know that there is great growth that's taking place. I know there is. But can I tell you what a huge part of that that growth that's taking place is God has just continued to open my eyes wider and wider and wider to just how deep my rabbit hole goes. Folks, I am more convinced of the depths of my sin now than I have ever been in my life. And it would be overwhelming if it wasn't for the fact that his grace is greater than all of my sin. His grace is greater. Um... Can I tell you a story? Can I, can I tell you just quickly as we close here? Let me, let me tell you a story of grace. Are you ready? Can I go back to the story of Hosea? 
You know how that story goes? Here's the story of Hosea. His wife has so overwhelmingly been adulterous. Running around with men, having children with these men. That she's actually come to the place where she is an absolute outcast. She has basically prostituted herself in the eyes of society. And I mean to the point where she is an absolute outcast. And in the book, guess where she finds herself? Down at the slave block being sold as a common slave. Guess what God says to Hosea? He says, Hosea, go down to the slave quarters with your own money. I want you to buy your wife. And I want you to bring her back to your home. But don't make her a slave, Hosea. I want you to make her your wife again. You want to talk about a story of mercy and grace. The the book of Hosea is actually not a story about the unfaithfulness of the people as much as it was a story about the faithfulness of God. Can Can I even tell you a major theological struggle that we have in this book? Most believe, okay, most believe, and I tend, when it sound, when you read it, you go home and read it. It's not that he marries a pure girl, but yet she then turns an adulteress and becomes an adulteress. Folks, most believe that he had her marry an adulteress from the beginning. And you want to know why that's so beautiful? Because that's who we are. It's not like he saved us because we were so pure and then we turned. No, he knows who we are. And he saved us anyway. He knows our hearts. And he rescued us anyway. And then yet so many times we continue to turn away. We continue to turn away. And he continues in faithfulness to just keep bringing us back home to himself prone to wonder Lord I feel it so prone to leave the God I love oh take my heart would you take and seal it would you seal it for your courts above folks now here's the there's a contingency sure seems to be I don't think we can miss it on us receiving his grace When it comes to now that we are his people and our hearts so tend to go astray and we prove it with our conflict and our struggles that our hearts are just so full of idolatry. He says that his grace now is given to those who are humble. I mean, look at it. I don't know how. I mean... I don't think we can get around it, folks. Look at verse number six. Verse number six, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Folks, can I tell you what the proud looks like right here? And I think our hearts are so bent towards being proud. I think my heart is so bent towards being proud. I need God to help me be humble. The, the, the pride in our hearts, it just is a person who, going all the way back to the conflict, it just keeps on saying, well, I don't care what you say. I mean, sure, I got my problems, but I'm telling you, the source of the problem is still her. That's pride. And you're going to face God's resistance. Well, I'll tell you what the source of the problem is. It's them. If they weren't the way they are, then we wouldn't be like this. If you are going to be proud and refuse to look right here, then you will meet God's resistance. 
but if you will be broken. Matter of fact, I'm not getting into it, but over the next five verses, verses seven down through verse 10, are the most, or the next four verses are the most beautiful passage in the Bible about what repentance looks like. Submit yourself to God. Draw nigh. Resist Satan. He'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Don't just cleanse your hands. How easy is it for Steph just to say, hey, Asher, I'm really sorry, buddy. They got, I got angry. Don't just cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Folks, we are so double-minded. And we don't need to just cleanse our hands. We need to purify our hearts. Be broken, mourn, humble yourself, verse 10, before the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Folks, we need God. We need God and his grace to break through the hardness of our idolatrous hearts. Oh, God, help us be humble. Folks, I don't know how you need this. Can I just tell you something? I need this text of scripture all the time. I just need it all the time. This is a life passage for Aaron Coffey. And, and, and maybe it's because I'm far worse than any of the rest of you. I don't know. But folks, I'm just telling you, our lives prove that we have hearts that so tend to go astray. And God wants us to love him with this kind of passion. Folks, can we just be humble tonight? Can we just take a minute? We won't take long. We won't take long, but can we just pray? I'm going to have Danielle jump on the piano, and she's going to play. And folks, I don't know, maybe you, can, maybe you can even think about today on the way here, the heated conversation between you and your spouse. Folks, maybe just today, the heated conversation between you and one of your kids. Folks, we can point fingers all day long, but the book of James is saying, no, 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 no. Point them right here. You dig deep, what do you want? What do you want? Folks, can we just come to God? May God please help us be humble.